I'll get you to stand to your feet. Let's honor the lady of the word, the woman of the word. Thanks, church. Are amazing. Well, while you're standing, um, would you mind praying with me over the word this morning? That would be amazing. Let's all just bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your words that you're speaking to our hearts and minds, God. What you're revealing to us in the word, God. It's just amazing, God. Um, just use my humble presentation, Father, this morning. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Holy Spirit, do your work in this place. Thank you for this church, God. Just anoint this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. Praise God. It's the ultimate juggle being a parent. <laughs> awesome. Well, I was thinking, um, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks back, Timothy was preaching about a childhood friend at school. And it always, um, it sort of reminded me of a, a few situations at school as well. It's funny how you're in adulthood, everything that you're sort of processing in the moment, you go always like, what happened? Like you go back to your childhood, don't you, a bit? Or what happened in school? And I was thinking too with the world and whenever you're turning on the news these days, if you have the news or if you're opening up social media, you're kind of bombarded with almost a dump of everything bad that's happening in the world, aren't you? It's just like smack bang, woo, there it is. Okay, this is happening in Australia. This is happening in the world. And it's kind of like a big, it feels like a dump, doesn't it? It's like, oh, here you go. Here's all the bad news. And I was thinking too, back in my childhood when we'd go to high school, you know, like being a teenager, it's, it's hard life being a teenager. And, um, and I had this friend that was similar to that in the, in the way that she would come to school. I'd say, oh, hi, how are you? How are you going? She'd say, oh, do you know what? It is the worst day ever. And you know, you, does anyone know these people? And she'd say, oh, you know what, mum and dad, they're struggling at home. They've been fighting. They've been this. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, you know I hope everything gets better. You try and support them. Next week, oh, how are you going? How's the situation at home going? Do you know what? That's actually better. But it was the worst morning ever. I lost my bus pass, my car, like it was just, and it was just like, I got this sense of this person that it was catastrophe, everything in her life that went wrong. Has anyone ever met those sort of people that they sit in those emotions and they're just like, here it is. <laughs> they just like dump on you. Sometimes you're going through the cash register. You're like, oh, hi, so-and-so, how's your day? You know, yeah, but I'm going to tell you about my whole life story in about five minutes. And it's all bad. <laughs> and it just like, it just got me thinking like, oh my goodness, there's, there are those people that tend to sit either too much in those negative emotions and worlds. But then, and I was like, oh, you know, her, she's just like feeling it too much. But then on the flip side, there was me and people would say, well, how are you going? I'd be like, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> all good. And I was actually the one that would not say how I was going. So I, was, I would judge those that would be like, oh, here's my life, here's my story, you know, maybe a bit too much. But then I was like, you know what? If I look at me, I actually don't tell people and I've got walls up. And that's bad in its own sense, isn't it? That's already also got its negative things. So in saying this, I'm just reflecting that there's all these different emotional states we can be in all the time. 
The purpose of emotion is that it moves us and motivates us, doesn't it? See, someone who tends to overthink a little bit (laughs) here, I used to think that emotion would stop and end. You know, I felt it, that's it, now I'm thinking. No, we are constantly in a state of emotion right now. Right now you're feeling, or maybe what's the person next to you feeling? We're actually very, very sensitive creatures. And we're sensing things maybe without even knowing it on a conscious level. So emotions are important. They sustain us through our struggles. And they can also crown us in our victories, like David and his emotion, ripping his clothes off. (laughs) They can crown us in our victories. As we tap into them, they can either help us reach our goals or we sometimes have to battle them to overcome them in spite of our emotions to move forward. Now, you've probably heard of IQ. They always do a lot of IQ tests at school. Yeah, IQ, intelligence. There also is EQ, emotional intelligence. Have you heard that? A few people? Maybe not? You see, most people value thinking over emotion. I mean, we're kind of taught it in our school, public school system, aren't we? Like in all the standardised tests, it's always like what knowledge you gain, you know, and that you can remember back and you can like intellectualise. Is that the word? I think it is. Everything. And we've kind of, society has left apart emotional intelligence and the importance of that and the importance of that growing in our youth. And I love that I can actually see in society now that emotional intelligence is growing and people are recognising the power of it in their organisations, in their businesses, in their workplaces. And it got me thinking, you know what, maybe even in the past, church hasn't possibly done the best with emotional intelligence, hasn't grown people in that way. Because sometimes when we consider the things of the spirit, We don't pair them together, we separate them a little bit. And sometimes we think, well, if you're feeling that much, then you're just not spiritually in tune. And that can actually be a wrong thinking. See, research says that EQ, emotional intelligence, is actually more important to success in life than intellectual intelligence. It's actually more successful. And the Bible confirms that our emotional nature is just, it's God-created, And it's just as valuable as cognitive intelligence. You see, developing our emotional intelligence doesn't just increase our joy and our peace and our love, but it helps our influence for Christ when we are emotionally healthy people. But being emotionally healthy people, that doesn't really bring in the good TV ratings, does it? Anyone? Any reality TV fans here? Don't be shy. You know the juiciest parts when people are having like adult tantrums? Oh, so-and-so, did you hear this? And the music plays, dun-dun-dun. So emotionally healthy may not get you the ratings, but it sure can be a powerful thing for Christ. And it can be a powerful thing for the church. Fun facts. I'll give you some fun facts. Warm me up, hey? Why not? A a 40-year investigation of 450 boys found that IQ had little relation to life success. Little relation. The most significant predictors were being able to handle frustration, 
control emotions, and get along with other people. Mm. People with a higher EQ make $29,000 more annually. There you go. If you go up one point in your EQ, that's about another $1,300 added on to your salary each month. Oh, I've got you listening now. Some people are like, that's it, I'm taking notes. This is good stuff. You see, organisations that value and widely use EQ, people with high emotional intelligence, are three times more effective at building leaders. And in my head, I'm like, okay, so if we can tap into this as a church, if I can learn, if you can learn it, more leaders means more church plants. More church plants means more influence of Christ. More influence for Christ means Sydney for Jesus. Oh, she went there. I'm going too early. I'm, I'm peeking. But, it's, it's, but that's what I mean. Like, this is, this is amazing stuff. If the church can get a hold of this, this is important. So we're seeing a shift in the world and the way even high-up tech companies are hiring now. They're hiring for people that can manage stress, regulate emotions, handle people in their teams, not people that are going to disregard the feelings and things of others. Fascinating stuff. Sometimes I can't help but think, you know, I think as a church body, all of us here, sometimes we can be crippled by dedicating more time to protect ourselves in this space by either real or imagined threats from others. Oh, so-and-so is thinking of this of me. I just know it, you know. The, the eyes they gave me across the room this morning. <laughs> We've all been there. And sometimes we spend more time protecting ourselves in this place from each other than we do building each other up for Jesus. You know, growing up, I think I was reflecting on it too, like, with the church that I grew up in and my mum and dad were having a really, really hard time in marriage. And, and they'd come to the leaders and they'd say, this, I'm struggling with this. And of course, they'd be like full of emotion, like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I think in the past, it might have been taught maybe from our parents, our grandparents, that you've got to repress that to move on. You've got to hide it because it looks weak. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it, did, it didn't work for my parents. Like, they just struggled and struggled and struggled. And the leaders would even say, you're not spiritual enough. You need to go and take that somewhere. And it wasn't resolved. And sadly so. And maybe that's why I'm here today, to be able to speak about it and encourage you this morning. Because I don't want to see those damages and those hurts continue. I want to see a healthy church. You know, I was reflecting too that this morning I said to, where's Chris? He's there. I said, I remembered this song and it was um, Break My Heart for What Breaks Yours. And I remember hearing someone pray that one time. They came up the front and they said, my prayer, break my heart for what breaks yours. And you know how you hear those fire prayers sometimes from someone and you're just like, ooh, that's too hot. That's too hot for me right now. Like, I don't know if I'm there, God. But I remember hearing it and it just stuck with me so much because this person so longed for Jesus and so longed for the transformation in their day-to-day life that they said, God, I want what breaks your heart. I want it to break mine. And that's huge. 
And then it got me thinking, I wonder if my emotional life lines up with Jesus, actually lines up with what breaks God's. Because sometimes I go, oh, yes, I'm angry at that person, so God must be angry at them too, (laughs) you know. I don't know if you've had that one. Oh, it's disgusting, that behaviour. And you just kind of start going into that. But I'm like, no, no, no. Does it actually line up with the heart of God? And what he sees as justice and as righteousness and as truth. And the moment, we can sway so easily, can't we? So it's an interesting thought. Do your emotions that you're feeling, maybe this week, have they been lining up with what God says in his word? Or are they just lining up with maybe you want to be angry, maybe you want to be frustrated at someone, maybe you want to feel sad? Are they actually in line with the truth of God's word? Or on the other end of the emotional spectrum, do I just turn a blind eye to the thing that moved Jesus to tears? Do I fail to notice the people in the situation that actually stirs Jesus' compassionate heart to reach them? Or do I refuse that and ignore that and don't take action? Am I using my emotional responses as an excuse to run away from my calling? Ooh. I think I'm speaking a lot to myself as well this morning. So, but I am grateful to be here this morning and I'm grateful to be sharing this and what God's been stirring in my heart. And it's called forward motions, forward emotions. And I I want you to know when you go deeper with God, you're going to grow deeper with your emotional intelligence. It's just hand in hand. It really is. It's not a... It's not, this isn't meant to be like a, an inspirational TED talk that just gives you these little tips for your life. Oh, yeah, you can grow in, you know, emotional intelligence. It sounds great. You'll be successful in life. No, that's not what I'm here for this morning. I'm here as a humble, broken person with my own emotional struggles to say that we can do better by the transformation of the Holy Spirit. Only in his power can we do, can we become the church that he needs for MacArthur, for Sydney. So feelings are huge, if you were tuned out for a second there. Feelings are huge. They're a huge component of our faith. And it needs to be in the discussions as as well as thinking. Now, Jesus and his emotional intelligence. Jesus, God in human skin. I think it was a good place to start if we want to look at how God embodied in human flesh, how he dealt with things. It's a good start, right? (laughs) Now, he experienced a wide range of emotions, a wide range of emotions over his 33 years on earth. Scripture tells us that he felt and experienced so much, even in his three-year ministry. Oh, my goodness. Like, he faced emotional battles and mountains that maybe none of us have faced yet. In three years, we're dealing with people and the religious spirits. Now, have you ever considered Jesus this way though? He is the most intelligent human being that ever lived and he's the most emotionally intelligent human being that ever lived. It's fascinating, right? So Jesus felt... 
So some of the emotions that Jesus expressed, I've got them up here, great. Joy, exhaustion, anger, frustration, sorrow, forgiveness, and many, many more. And I just wanted to show you because sometimes in our thinking of Jesus, we think that he's just kind of this like Zen character. Has anyone ever thought that? Maybe it was just me as a kid, like this Zen kind of like, hey, I'm Jesus. Wait, he's not a surfer. But you know what I mean? Like just so chill and just so like taking all these waves of things. But really, he was angry at the right things. He was frustrated at the right things. He expressed the emotions when it was appropriate to do so. And this is encouraging to me because in the household, sometimes when you're in a bit of a turbulent household growing up, if there's uh, unrest or relational problems, you don't know how to healthily express when to express your emotions. You're like, am I going to get my head bitten off here or is it the right time? And so you start this internal wrestle of I don't know when to express and when to not express. So then you can just internalise. And that's what I did a lot. And you can overthink and internalise. But Jesus expressed it all. Joy, sorrow. It's interesting, even with kids, when we're teaching kids uh, emotions, it's really quite basic, isn't it? It's usually like, oh, do you feel sad? You know, like, and they do all the faces. Do you feel happy? Do you feel surprised? And it's probably like five emotions. But then as you get older and older, it's like, these emotions are way more complex than like five emotions. And sometimes you're like, it's so confusing as an adult, the array of emotions. You're like, is this like, is this anxiety creeping up on me or is it the double shot latte that I just downed in the car and I'm feeling like really angsty? <laughs> it's just, it's a complicated thing, isn't it, as an, an adult? But I think sometimes we lose the ability to express our emotions as we get older, to actually voice and say, you know what, what am I going through here? So I'm going to take you to a place in Mark 9, and I was unsure exactly what you would get from this, but I just pray that it speaks to you in some way. In Mark 9, 14 to 29, the whole story. So I'll paraphrase it for you. If you can want to read it, it's there. Jesus was on a mountain and he's, there's this moment of transfiguration. He's filled with glory and light from God. So he's up on this mountain. He's taken a couple of disciples with him. They've seen this. They're like, whoa, this is, this is amazing. He comes down from this mountain and there's this crowd just like, you know how crowds can get a bit rowdy? Crowds were getting frustrated and angry and you could just, I mean, I could just imagine what he'd be feeling. He'd be like, whoa, this is going to be intense. There's some people down here that are in unrest. So he comes down to this crowd and they're like, straight away this father comes up to him, Jesus, where, where have you been? Your disciples have not been able to cast this demon out of my boy. This boy is tormented. He's been wrestling and this father's and this crowd is just all filled with doubt. These disciples can't do anything. They haven't cast this out. This whole, they're getting all hyped up. You know how crowds do. Oh, yeah. And they like start getting bored on board. And then Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to face this. And he says, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? 
bring him to me. So in other words, Jesus is frustrated at this generation. It's like, just work miracles for me, Jesus. Why isn't it happening? What's this happening? And he's like, I'm frustrated at this generation. He doesn't, but he, I mean, it's funny because if I think, if you put yourself in there, I'd be like, oh man, this, this crowd's getting heated. Like, I'm out of here. I'm back to the mountain. Like, I'm gone. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> but Jesus shows us, you know what? I see this hard thing and I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to express my frustration because they're being, they're being not faithful to God. They're just being like spoiled brats in a way. But he takes compassion, doesn't he, still on the boy. So Jesus says, he gets frustrated and he, and, he, and he lets it out in a healthy way. He says, all right, bring the boy to me. He brought the boy to me, him and the, and the spirit's just like messing this boy up. He's just going at it. He's just like frothing and convulsing and just manifesting. And the boy and, and Jesus just takes compassion. He says, how long has this boy been like this to the father? And the father said, from childhood. Sorry, for a long time, probably since birth. And he says like this, this demon like really hurts this boy. You know, he does things to him. And in t- verse 23, Jesus says to me, oh wait, I'll go back. Because he says from childhood and it often cast him into fire and water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, this is the father talking to Jesus. But if you can do anything, Jesus, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus says, if, if. You know, some people say it and you're like, what did I just hear? This is Jesus, if you can. And he says, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child, he's like, oh, I said the wrong thing there. And he said, and he said, help me, help me believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus saw that the crowd came running together. The crowd's coming again. And he rebuked the unclean spirit. You mutant death spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the boy cried out convulsing and it came out. But then still people are like, that negative crowd was hanging around still. And they're like, he's dead. Now the boy's dead, Jesus. Good job. Far out. You know, when you're around those negative people, it catches on like wildfire. It's like we want to be negative. You know what? It's easier to be negative. The brain pathways to slip down the negative slope are so easy. I know this in myself. So easy. And even God convicted me when I was reading through Ephesians. Do nothing with grumbling. Do everything without grumbling, in other words. And I was like, that got to me. I was like, all right, Lord. Everything without grumbling. (laughs) I'll try. So anyway, that crowd, he said, he is dead. But Jesus, what did he do? He took the boy by the hand and he stood him up and he lifted it up and he arose. The boy was healed. He was delivered. And when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, "Why, why could I not cast it out? See, this here, this is a teaching moment that Jesus did. He didn't just go to his disciples and be like, oh, you've been doing it all wrong, disciples. You know, like he didn't come down and just rebuke him in front of the crowd. He didn't just have like an overreaction, emotional outburst in his frustration. He was frustrated at the faithlessness and at the crowd and their attitude. 
and he expressed it, but in a healthy way. And then he took his disciples aside and he said, you know what? I'm going to teach you in this moment. I'm going to make something of this. I'm going to teach you. This one needs to come out with prayer and fasting. I'm going to draw alongside you. What I'm trying to show you here is in this, it was a hard situation and he faced many of these. This is showing you an emotional process that's healthy. Not trying to publicly shame or condemn people in front of your families, in front of your workplaces, in front of your peers. To find the teaching moments, to express healthily. It's great. It's so good. I love looking at Jesus's life. And honestly, you can look at Jesus's life anywhere. This is just a small fragment of him and how he deals with his emotional world and how he's dealing with it with God and how he can teach people and come alongside people. And this is just like, oh, I'm like, yes, Lord. Like we can all just keep growing in this, this area. It's fantastic. So he expressed frustration. He felt the emotions. He didn't ruminate in the frustration, did he? I always thought like if I put myself or if you put yourself in that position, what would you do? I know that unhealthy, Cherie, if I went to a, a hard situation with a crowd and they're just like, you are this and you are that and why haven't you done this for me? And I'd just be like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I'd be like, mm, you'd either go into fight or flight a little bit, don't you? You're like, that's it, you. Yeah. Or you're just like, I'm out of here, I'm going. So it's just fascinating. Sometimes when we're trying to weigh up if we are doing healthily with God and if we are processing things healthily, put yourself in Jesus' shoes sometimes and see what he does. Now hear me out when I am no psychologist um, and I know that there are legitimate mental health conditions that people are struggling with and I know that people's brains work different ways as well Um, but I'm just here to say that I know that God works the miraculous even in our mental health areas even in our emotional health because sometimes when we get diagnoses we can label ourselves that and we can stay in that for the rest of our life. Maybe that's your portion, but maybe it's not. Okay? Maybe God wants you here today because he says, yes, maybe you've suffered with that, but you're not going to anymore. Okay? Maybe I want you to grow in your emotional worlds. This isn't a gospel of self-help. This is real transformation. This is stuff that I have seen transform families, transform my family, still transforming me today. Praise God. Praise God. (laughs) To shift from our head to our heart, the negative thought patterns to truths of God. When I begin to define myself from the inside out in light of God's truth, 
that's when we're going to start to grow in our emotional intelligence and how we see the world. Emotional intelligence, written here, is a good one, is the synthesis of heart, mind and soul. It helps bring our thoughts and feelings into alignments of God, five, alignment with God's word and will. So we can, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Oh, anyone? That's hard stuff. Like it's easy to say this, but this is hard stuff. But it is right stuff. Can I say that again? This is hard to walk like Jesus walked. It is hard, but it is right and it is worth it. I don't know if you're like me, but I take a lot of the easy way out of things. If things are emotionally volatile or hard, I just want to run. But living like Jesus is hard. Sometimes we don't say it enough. It's like, yeah, just do this. But you know what? It's hard. It's hard to change things in our patterns, in our families, in our lifestyles. <laughs> but it is right and it is good and it is life-giving. And you will see life in more abundance than you have ever seen before. I believe that. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 139 I love that David, David is an emotional guy and we can learn a lot from him. King David, that is. And in Psalm 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Oh, he knows them. He knows your worries. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. See, if you didn't get it from this morning... In worship, we're trying to take you to those deeper parts. Open up to God. We come in with barriers and hurts and walls. And it's just like, we just want you to go let God into those deep place to do his transformative work. To search me, God. Know my heart. God wishes to open up our deep emotions to him. We can't go on living the same clueless way <laughs> anymore. We can't be overactive, under-responsive, disconnected to what is actually going on in our, world, our inner worlds. So, I think we need some practical ways, hey, to help us, to help us grow in it. So, the word reactive kept coming to my mind. So, reactive, got it on the screen? Reactive. Reactive means acting in response to a situation rather than creating it or controlling it. So being reactive is normal in your emotions. I just want to say that. Like it's we're responding to things that are happening around us and in us and, and that's okay. We can respond. Um, but of course there is healthy reaction and there is Unhealthy reaction, yes? Yes. Okay, unhealthy reactions include repression, which I've done that, overreaction. I mean, come on, raise our hands. Who has felt this in their life? Who, who's overreacted? No one? Oh, come on, we have. 
overreacted. Yes, come on. This just breaks the barriers here. Everyone has felt this or done this in their lifetime. Okay? Just breaks the barriers. We're all going through this. Unhealthy reactions. You see, they come out, you know, bursts of emotion. There's so many different ways. But when we're reactive, we need to notice what is happening in our inside world. And this takes a real second to actually process. You know, I notice like certain questions in my marriage when I really want to figure out like what's going on in Timothy's noggin. I'm like, oh, I can just, I can feel that something's off with him. Like, how do I do this? And sometimes the worst thing you can say is, what's wrong with you? Like, oh, don't do it. It is a bad one. And you think you're doing okay, but you're just like, oh, what's wrong? Like, just tell me. Like, I can feel it. When you're in a marriage sometimes, you can just, oh, you can feel them next to you. Even in bed, you're like, what are you thinking about? Like, stop your thoughts. So you can just feel their emotions going. But a good tip in marriage is to say, instead of saying, what's wrong? Is, hey, I can see something's on your mind. Do you want to share it? We've got a moment to share it. That's a really good tip to take in. So being reactive, I've broken it up into three little things that hope can help you this morning. When we react in healthy ways in our emotions, we express them, we don't repress them. I don't know if we put it up there. Express. So to react, so we can express it. Express it in a healthy way, like Jesus. We get awareness of where that, ca- where that emotion comes from. Is it justified by what's happening in my life? And is it doing me any harm? Sometimes we feel these things and we're like, we just, it does us harm because we'll sit in it. Acknowledgement is the last point in this. I feel acknowledgement is what it does to your body. Acknowledging that I feel (laughs) the blood rising in my face. I feel my stomach churning. Acknowledge what is happening in your body. And then you can move on. Now, who's really good at word jumble games? Anyone? Okay, so reactive. What else? What is another word that it can make? Anyone guessing? Reactive, jumble the letters. Creative. Creative, yes. Oh, my goodness. You got it. Well done. Fantastic. Reactive to creative. And this is just a key for you to remember. When I'm reactive... Make sure I'm expressing it. I'm being aware of where it's coming from. I'm acknowledging it, what it feels like. But you can be creative. And you're like, oh, I'm not an artist, Cherie. I've got no creative bone in my body. No, 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 no. Our God is creative. He has given us creative tools for expression. He is creative in his design of us. And he's creative with our emotions. So, Creative is actually defined as the tendency to generate or recognise ideas or possibilities or solutions. So there's this part in us that can be creative with our reactions. We're acknowledging our emotions. We're aware of where they're coming from. What are we going to do with them? What's the solution here? Because sometimes people just get caught in the reactive, either unhealthily, outbursts and anger and things that are just like over the top a little bit. I've all been there. And they'll get stuck there 
and they'll just keep doing the cycle of reactivity. And they might be acknowledging where it's coming from. Oh, yes, this is from a trauma or this is from, uh, you know, this I've learnt. But they never get to the creative side, the solution making. They never take it a step further. So creativity in an emotional sense is finding solutions to the problems that you face. And I've written it here too. Three, three tips for it. Creativity. It is managing emotions. You see, psychologists of uh, EQ wonder why people maintain better emotional well-being and have better success than others. Like why? Why are some people better at it? Despite the same challenges, the same setbacks, some people are just more resilient. He concluded what sets apart certain resilient individuals is their ability to manage emotions. See, sometimes in my, my head, managing emotions was not feeling them or repressing them. That's not managing emotions. Managing emotions is feeling them, acknowledging them, seeing where they come from, working it through with God, saying, God, why have you created in this, this in me? And then finding a solution. So managing your emotions. The second point of here is modify. This one is modifying your assumptions. See, when we let our emotions lead us in, in, lead us in relationships, sorry, we jump to conclusions really, really easily. <laughs> and look, we've been married almost 14 years next month. Woo-woo! And but still, like we can still jump to conclusions so easily in our emotions. Oh, they're just like ignoring me. Like, what's happening? It's very easy to jump to conclusions. And about their motives. The thing is, we jump to conclusions and then we assume their motive, don't we? Oh, their motive was out to get me with that for sure. No doubt in my mind. <laughs> but it's dangerous. So modifying your assumptions to truth, to God's truth. You see, Jesus provides the ultimate example of not assuming, doesn't he? He goes to, he looks past appearances, he looks past reputations, stereotypes, race, gender. He doesn't assume. It's amazing. He sees the heart of the individual. And the last point I had was find solutions in Create. So most importantly, when you spend your time in God's presence, you give these feelings over to him and you navigate and you say, God, like, what am I working through here? You give them to him before they become a foothold for the enemy because the enemy's going to come in. He's going to, oh, I'm going to use that frustration I'm going to use that jealousy. I'm going to use that unforgiveness and I'm going to destroy your life. But if you're going in your time, in your presence with God and you're taking it to him, he will not get a foothold on you. See, praying, pouring your heart out, renewing your mind like the word says, this is the best way you can find solutions with your emotions. Now, when Jesus found himself in that situation in Mark 9, he, he felt frustration. He reacted, didn't he? You can bring the scripture up again, actually. He felt frustration. Oh, faithless generation. He expressed it, right? He's processing it. He's all right. And then I'm going to act upon it. I'm going to heal this boy. He can work through this. 
And then I feel like he found solutions because the boy was healed. He healed the boy, didn't he? It was his creative solution. I'm going to, do you know what? I'm so frustrated, but I can see there's a need here. I'm going to take compassion. This is emotional intelligence working at its best. This is, this is amazing stuff. He's like, everything that's facing around me, that's swirling and the emotions of others in the crowd, it doesn't matter because I'm connected to the source. And he's going to guide me through this situation. You feel yourself getting swept up in the issues of your family or your work life or your school. Well, maybe you're not connecting enough to the source. Maybe you're not taking your emotions to God in your quiet time. Maybe you're not reading the word and say, renew my mind, renew my emotions, God. You see, Jesus found solutions. The boy was healed. And then what did he do? He took his disciples aside in the house. and He said, this is a teaching moment. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to find a solution. I'm going to help them. So maybe next time when they've got these spiritual things they, can, they go against and negative emotions they go against, they're going to be strengthened. Great. Anyway. <laughs> okay. You see, Jesus knows best the frustration when someone has been taught in the Word of God and given the best instructions of their life. Maybe you've grown up in church and they still struggle to apply their faith in a stressful situation. I mean, that's, it's me all over, to be honest. It's like, I know your word, God. I've been taught it. I've heard it. I teach it. And yet, why am I still struggling in this situation with my emotions to keep them in line? You know, even this year, um, I'd, I'd have like these strange moments even recently. And we'd just be like, just relaxing or something. And suddenly I'd just like, burst into a puddle of tears and and I think we'd both look at each other and be like where did that come from like what like it literally came out of the blue and and God's like there is stuff there that you haven't worked through Sheree and it's just popping up like this like triggers so when I was praying for does anyone do word of the year like a word that you feel like God's really speaking over your year gave me does anyone do that yeah got a couple so this year, God gave me the word fortitude. Ooh, I know, it sounds amazing, right? I was like, fortitude, God, really? Like, nothing better, like, I don't know, like, joy or something like that, but fortitude. So fortitude actually means strength of mind that enables a person to encounter danger or bear pain or adversity with courage. And to me... Fortitude is in line with emotional intelligence, to have fortitude in your emotions in, in those worlds. And so I was just getting smashed, honestly, right? <laughs> like God's just like, fortitude is your word. And Cherie, in, in those emotional outbursts, in things that are happening and popping up out of nowhere, God's saying there's important clues here. There's things that are hidden deep in the depths of your soul that need working on. And I want to do it, God. And God's saying, I want to do it, Sheree. Are you going to let me in? Are you going to let me heal those generational things that maybe you've carried? <laughs> and I don't know what it looks like to you. Um, if you've been emotionally abused, <laughs> it's not what God wants for you. 
Sorry, I'm feeling a bit stumped. <laughs> Fortitude. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh my God, why am I keep crying whenever I preach? He's doing a work in me. <laughs> Praise God. Um, our emotional healing is limited to our willingness. And I'll tell you this, Jesus is willing. God is willing. Jesus went to the cross for you. He died for you. God sent his son. He is willing. He is more than willing. But are you? Are you? Maybe the comfort of your anxiety or your depressions is just too nice. It's familiar. The demonic spirits just want to keep you oppressed and emotionally crippled so you don't have influence and you can't grow your communities for Christ. God is willing. Are you willing to let him go to the deep places this morning? I love that in emotions, it says motion. And to me, that was like kind of a theme, like the motion of moving forward. If you want to move forward from where you're you're at today, emotional intelligence, getting in line with Jesus, going to the Word, that's just the motions. Come on, they keep rolling. Life keeps going. We've got to keep growing with Him. Ah, I love it. Forward motions. Forward emotions. Just imagine if we saw a church that could healthily express themselves. That's right, let's speak it over. This is going to be our church. This is going to be our church. This is going to be a safe place to express your emotions and grow with Jesus. Where we can pour out what we need to, where we can let God in. No more walls. No more walls. You know, Jesus never minimised people's emotional pain. Imagine if we could not do that as a church anymore. If we could just be free without judgment and we embody our convictions and our emotions in a healthy way. In our homes, marriages, workplaces, school. I really feel like if we can get this right now, and I said it in the prayer meeting before church, the next generations are going to be so emotionally intelligent. They're going to change the world for Christ. Oh, come on. The next, the children we are raising, the next children, they are going to change the world for Christ more than we have ever seen in history. I believe it. I believe the impact that they're going to do. There's a change in the air. There's a healing in the air. Do you want it this morning? I want it. God, I want you to go to the deep places. Stand with me and let's pray. Let's pray. Let's open it up. Come on. God, you know our hearts. You know the inner workings of us. God, you know the masks we put on. God, you know the damages we've held on to. God, you know the pain. You know it so well. Jesus, thank you. 
God, do your work in us today. God, we surrender. Come on, raise your hands. If you surrender, (laughs) surrender those parts of your heart to Him. If surrender is the sweet spot, church, then why are you resisting it? Surrender your hearts to Him. Surrender your emotions to Him. Surrender your mental health to Him. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. God, we surrender. God, You do Your healing. Father, I just pray over this church right now, God, that You touch the hearts than You've gone before, God, that we can be a healthy church in Jesus' mighty name. God, that we can raise a healthy children, that we can have healthy relationships with each other. Oh, Jesus, let this be a safe place, God. lift your voices. You speak out the areas that you need to healing over in your emotions. God, heal my family, God. God, heal the relationship with my parents, God. The unforgiveness that's taken root in my heart, God, you deal with it right now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, speak it out. There's power in that. feeling hesitant but I think I think some people need to come down the front (laughs) I was like can't I just close Lord no 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 there is people that need to surrender but on their knees this morning they need some work in their emotional worlds they need to get get healthy and get right with God so I'm just going to open it as Chris plays thank you Chris and I'd love, I'd love, I'd love to pray with you this morning. Come on down. Don't be scared. And the rest of the church, we're going to support in song. I'm going to support in prayer. Thank you, God.